Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Who knows what the longest river in the world is? Who? What? The Nile. The Nile. Who knows what the longest river in these United States of America is? What? I heard Mississippi. Anything else? You know what? I grew up, and in geography class, I was taught that the Mississippi River was the longest river in America. But as I Googled, and you know, everything, everything is true uh, on, on the Google. Uh, as I Googled, every site that I looked at, including the USGS, which I believe stands for the United States Geographical System or so, Geological System, they say the Missouri River is actually the longest river not only in America but in North America and so I'm giving you a little river quiz because we're going to talk about a river today but the river we're going to be talking about this morning is much mightier and more powerful than any rivers currently here on earth and so we're going to be looking at the book of Ezekiel chapter number 47 if you have your Bibles or phones or uh, screens whatever or it'll be up on the screen for you to read along and I'm going to read a, a, a 12 verses, 1 through 12. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Verse 3. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Verse 6, he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from En Gedi to En Eglam. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Father, I just pray that you would anoint this word and anoint my lips. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just lead and guide the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible talks about a life-giving river in Jerusalem that is going to flow 
in the end times. Ezekiel receives a prophetic vision here in this passage, and this river is also part of John's vision in Revelation chapter number 22. Not only is this a prophetic picture of what's to come in the end times, I believe this is a prophetic picture of what a true move of God can look like in our world today as well. And what we see in Ezekiel's vision is a leak that turns into a stream that eventually turns into a full-blown river that Ezekiel could not walk across any longer because it was so deep and the current was so strong. But here's the significant part about the stream turning into a river in this vision. And I don't know if you picked it up or not as I read this passage to you today. And I've read this passage many, many times, but I didn't see it until I was listening to a podcast last week and a pastor uh, uh, mentioned this. And when he mentioned it, I saw this entire vision and this entire passage in a completely different light in a way that I had never seen it before. The water in this vision gets deeper as it flows further away from the temple. The water gets deeper as it flows further away from the temple. Now, why is this so significant? Well, the temple is the Old Testament parallel to the current day church. The temple was the center of religious activity in the Old Testament and even during the time of Jesus and the disciples. Rabbis would preach from the Old Testament scriptures in the temple. Worship would go on in the temple. Sacrifice for sin would happen in the temple. Fellowship would happen in the temple. It was where the presence of God would reside. It was right here in the temple. But what's significant about this vision is that the further you would go from the temple, the deeper the water would get. First, Ezekiel says the water was at his ankles. Then as he went further, it went up to his knees. Then as he went further, it went up to his waist. Then as he went further away from the temple, it got to the point where it covered his head and he could not cross any longer. So what does this mean for you and I today? Believe it or not, spending all of our time inside the four walls of the church is not how you go deeper in the things of God. Shielding yourself from the world and having more church gatherings is not going to get you deeper in the things of God. Having another church service for Christians who have been saved for a long time where the goal is a super emotional experience where everybody is crying and, and falling out and all of those things is not the way to go deeper in the things of God. Having a Bible study for other Christians discussing theology but not practicing any of it is not the way to go deeper in the things of God. Now, let's not get things twisted. The church gathering is very important, okay? The water getting deeper and deeper started at the temple, and as it went further from the temple, it got deeper and deeper. The source of where the water came from that caused the fruit trees to grow around the river, as Ezekiel mentioned, the source of that water began at the temple. Okay, The water that turned the Dead Sea into a fresh water sea that became a place where life could exist came from the temple. The fruitfulness out there started in here. Okay, The fruitfulness out there started in here. And I believe that what this passage is teaching us 
is that the way we go deeper in the things of God is to take what we are receiving inside the church and taking it outside of the church. Saying, you know what, the, 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 the four walls of the church are not enough to contain what I'm receiving and what I'm learning and how I'm growing, but I've got to take what I'm receiving inside of the church and I've got to take it out with me as I go. Amen? Most Christians are educated way beyond their level of obedience. Did you hear that? Most Christians are educated way beyond their level of obedience, especially here in America where we are saturated with the gospel. We are saturated with theology. You know, I heard this from someone, I don't know where, but I heard that Christian books sell more than any other books because Christians love to learn. But I'm afraid that we stop at the learning when we need to be doing. Okay? And I'm not against learning. I'm all about learning. I'm, I've always got a book in my hand. I'm always listening to a podcast. I'm always trying to learn. But I want to make sure that when I'm learning, I am practicing out there. Amen? Amen? In my humble opinion, most of us don't need to know more. We need to do more. We need to live out what we're learning or we'll never experience the depths of God's love, of God's grace, and God's truth that are available to those who want and desire to go deeper. Let's not just be satisfied with an intellectual understanding of the Holy Spirit. Let's experience His fullness in our lives. Let's not be satisfied reading a story about miracles. Let's pray and believe for some miracles in our lives. Let's not marvel at Jesus, Peter, and Paul's ability to heal the sick. Let's pray for some sick people and believe for their healing. Amen? Because it's the same Holy Spirit that was operating in them that dwells and lives inside you and I. Amen? That's good stuff right there. This prophetic picture reminds me of what Jesus said to his disciples post-resurrection right before his ascension in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Church, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not so that you can shake, rattle, and roll on the ground, okay? But so that you can be sent out into the world with power, and as you mature as a believer, your sphere of influence should expand and get larger and larger and larger. Your platform of reaching the law should get larger and larger the more you mature as a believer. But the problem is that the exact opposite happens to most Christians. What I mean by that is when we first get saved, we tend to live with an urgency to tell everyone about what God has done in our lives, don't we? We, we, who, anybody that will listen to us, even if they don't listen to us, we'll berate them and tell them about what God did in our lives because we're so excited and we're so passionate and we want to let everybody know of how God transformed our lives. But the longer we are a Christian, the longer we're in the church, sadly, the less urgency we live with to share our faith, the less urgency we live with to see people saved and come to faith in Jesus to the point that some of us don't even do it at all. Yeah. Let's look at verse 8 in Ezekiel 47 again. Then he said to me, This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. 
The Dead Sea is a salt lake bordered by the country of Jordan to the east and Israel to the west. At 1,412 feet below sea level, the surface and shores of the Dead Sea are the lowest point on the face of the earth. The Dead Sea has 10 times the saltiness of the ocean. And because of its saltiness, no living organism can survive in this sea. Also, because of this saltiness, you can't sink in the Dead Sea, okay? If we could put that picture, you, you see this guy chilling in the Dead Sea with, with reading the newspaper. If, if I were to go with the, to the Dead Sea with my kids, we wouldn't have to have any floaties. It'd be, it'd be marvelous, okay? I wouldn't have to worry about them. And so, uh, th when, when we're talking about the Dead Sea, this is what he was talking about. And I believe the significance of what Ezekiel saw here is that we are to take the living waters of the gospel to people and places who are spiritually dead. Okay? Look at verse 9. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Who did Jesus come to this earth for? I love this quote. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Yeah. That is such a powerful statement. He came for everyone, but he sought out those who knew and recognized their own brokenness. Yeah. Okay? In Mark 2.17, Jesus said this, It is not those who are healthy that need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinners. This is a difficult pill to swallow. Okay. But if we're not experiencing dead things coming to life around us, we are not walking in the spirit. If you and I are walking in the spirit, we should be seeing dead things come alive around us. Hamilton Heights should be more alive because the Grace Place NYC exists here. Excuse me. Your coworker should be more alive because you work there. Your unsaved friend should be coming to Jesus because of your testimony and because you're praying for them and because you, the Spirit of God resides in you and you're sharing your faith. When I think about whether our church is part of the river flowing into the Dead Sea, I think of James, who is out there doing security today for us, who came out of addiction as he shared with us during his water baptism a few months ago. And now he is serving Jesus and he is serving inside of our church. When I think about whether this river uh, is flowing into the Dead Sea, I think of Raymond, who was an atheist and who, was a, who is a double kidney transplant recipient who lost his mother at age 18 and spiraled out into atheism because he thought, if I'm going through all this, how could God be real? But a little over a year ago, he came to faith and Jesus transformed his life. And today he is upstairs teaching our children the word of God. He is on fire for Jesus. Okay, that is what I'm talking about uh, when I say the river of life flowing into the Dead Sea. Amen. Uh, when I think about this, I think of all of the kids that get picked up for church every Sunday morning. 
where they, a lot of them have very difficult, very traumatic family lives. But every Sunday they get taught the pure, unadulterated uh, word of God. And, and, and they're, they're learning how to have a different life than the one they know. And, and not only that, but today after service, we get to bless these kids with backpacks and school supplies. Many of them, their parents would have a hard time coming up with, with this stuff. But we get to be the church and we get to bless them. Are we willing to go to the lowest places in order to minister to people? Are we willing to go to the lowest places in order to love people? Are we willing to go to the lowest places in order to serve people? The Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth, literally. But when the river touches it, it comes to life. And living things start to appear in this place where it used to be a place where living things could not exist. That's what the church should be. Are we willing to reach the people on the fringes of society? Are we willing to reach out to people who carry themselves with an attitude of superiority? Are we willing to love people who disagree with us theologically? Are we willing to love people who disagree with us politically? Are we willing to go where there is no life that exists in order to be life? Are we willing to do that, church? What flows out of the church should bear fruit in the world. What flows out of the church should bear fruit in the world. Where the world, the people outside of the church, they think, I don't agree with everything they believe in theologically, but dang, there is such a blessing to my community that I want them to stay here. That, that's what the church should be. That's the staple that the church should be in every single community. Ezekiel says that as his guide led him back along the riverbank, that he was surprised that trees were growing on both sides of the river. The text says that the river flowing into the Dead Sea would turn the salty waters fresh and pure. The life will flourish wherever this river flows where death used to prevail. It says that fish will be in abundance in the Dead Sea. As believers, we should all be bearing the fruit of being a Christ follower. If you are a Christ follower, if, my, if I am a Christ follower, I should be bearing fruit that shows that I am a follower of Jesus. Jesus teaches us that we are known by the fruit we produce. We are not known by the church we attend. We are not known by how many passages of scriptures we can memorize. We are not known by how long we pray. We are known by the fruit we produce. And I believe that we should memorize scripture. I believe that we should pray. I believe that we should be planted and a part of a church. But at the end of the day, we are known by the fruit we produce. Our lives should produce the fruit of kindness and love and joy and peace. Our lives should be marked by our words and posts and tweets, bringing encouragement to others, not division. Okay, Our lives should be marked by serving others and loving others. We should have a good reputation in our community and at the place we work. We should have a good reputation in our apartment building. We should have a good reputation in our homes. Everywhere we go, 
we should have a good reputation because we are bearing the fruit of being a follower of Jesus. Amen? Let's look at verse number 12 again. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. If I could have the worship team come up. The vision of the Grace Place NYC is to be a river of kindness flowing out of this place into the streets, into the schools, into the colleges, into the apartment buildings, into the coffee shops, into the grocery stores, into the subway trains, bringing life and helping people thrive. If what happens here at the Grace Place NYC ends where those doors end out there, where the front doors end, we are not doing our job. We are failing as a church yeah. because the Grace Place NYC exists to be a river that flows out of this place into the streets, blessing people, bringing life where there was death before, uh, bringing peace where there is chaos, bringing love where there is violence, okay? And so that is who we are, and that is why we exist here in this neighborhood. We want to be a part of Hamilton Heights flourishing. Amen? Amen? We want to be a part of helping this elementary school flourish. Okay? We want to be a part of the 30th precinct and the fire stations and the city parks in this neighborhood flourish. We want to see drugs out of this neighborhood. We want to see homelessness eradicated. Yeah. We want to see the senseless violence stopped in Hamilton Heights. Yes. We want to see the senseless violence on my block that I live on. We want it to stop. We want the shootings to stop. Uh, we, want, we want people just walking down the street in the middle of the day that get jumped and robbed. We want that to stop. Yeah. And guys, we can't look any further than the church. We shouldn't look to the government. Come on. We, shouldn't look to, we shouldn't look first to the police. Yeah. The church living out the gospel in our communities. The church being the river that flows out of the church building and into the neighborhood. That is what is going to stop this. That is why this past Friday a group of us walked and prayed in the neighborhood and we prayed against violence we prayed against domestic violence we prayed against uh, violence from parents to children we prayed against gang violence we prayed against uh, senseless violence that goes on in the in the neighborhood we prayed against all this because that is why we exist yeah. that is why we are here because i believe that all violence that is manifested in the, in the natural realm starts in the spiritual realm. Because I believe that all violence, the source is the devil. The source is hell. Okay? And so, as image bearers of God, as, as people that have the authority of Jesus, we can do something about it. We can be that river of life that flows out of the church. We want to see every single church in Hamilton Heights and West Harlem flourish because I know that one church can't reach everybody. Yeah. Look at all these empty seats here. 
Man, we could pack this thing out once, twice, three times. I don't care. And, and, and that still wouldn't be enough to even touch this neighborhood. Yeah. The only way this neighborhood is going to be transformed is if all of the churches become unified and we all say, you know what? I don't care who gets who. Let's just win the loss. Let's just be a blessing. Let's just be a river that flows in this neighborhood. Let's just love on people. Let's just overwhelm the darkness with light. That's what it's going to take, church. Amen. Amen. I hope you guys receive this word. I hope you guys receive this encouragement. I hope you guys decide that, you know what? I am not going to let what happens in the church in my life end at those doors. I'm going to let it begin once I walk out of those doors. Amen. Let's pray.